0: Well, it has been a week since we last talked about Isaiah chapter 12. And if you remember, those of you who were here and were awake, um, I'm kidding. Um, You'll remember that we looked at all of Isaiah chapter 12, all six verses, but only the first three did we talk about. Because, as, as you may recall, this chapter of Isaiah is the closing... Of the section of Isaiah known as the Messianic or the Emmanuel section, and so this is the the whole story. At this up to this point, has been about how God is present with us, and we can trust God, and He will take care of us, even though the world is falling apart around us, and we will just keep our focus on Him. The other, the other storyline that we've been hearing along this way is that there is a remnant, so in other words, the whole world is falling apart, everyone's falling away from God, but there's a remnant that keeps their eyes focused on God through all of the horrors. And ultimately, they will be brought in back into the promised land. And so, Isaiah chapter 12 is that culmination of this Emmanuel story, this idea that God is with us. And so, last week we talked about can you trust Him without being afraid? Can you truly trust Him for your salvation, to be your strength, to provide you with joy? Can He be the one that you truly trust? This week, this second part of chapter 12, is the second song of praise about God, Emmanuel, God being with us. But it's not about us. It is about us, but it's not about us. Let's look at it and see what we can discern. We're going to be reading verses 4 through 6 from Isaiah chapter 12. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. If we were to break this down, let's just take some of the elements of this song of praise. The very first thing is to give thanks. Why do you thank someone? I'm sorry? Because they did something for you. Because they did something for you. Or because they gave you something. So, I'm sorry? Appreciation. Appreciation. They gave out of the goodness of their heart and so you show appreciation, you say thank you. It's a common courtesy. It shows that you didn't take for granted that which they did for you or gave to you. I have a relative. I won't name the person because this is being recorded and they might eventually hear it. But I have a relative that will call me Or send me an email within a week of her having sent me a gift. Did you receive it? Yeah? Never heard anything about you receiving it? Sorry. Now, there's a a situation there where I'm not being honorable to that person. Okay? I'm not honoring them. Because... They, of the goodness of their heart, gave me something. And it's a common courtesy. I should just say thank you. And in our day and age, how hard is it to send an email or a text? Now, if you really want to go over the top, get a pen out. Take a piece of paper. Scratch the words, thank you, love, Elsie. Fold it in half put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it and actually go to the post office and drop it in the slot. There's a lot of effort in that. Oh my word! You will not understand. My wife gets praised all the time. Why? Because she writes notes to people. This is not done in this day and age. Okay? It's an over-the-top expression. But see, the person in my life grew up in the era when it was just common courtesy, you receive, you say thank you. If the person's not physically present with you, you grab a piece of paper and a pen and an envelope and a stamp, and you take the 30 seconds it takes to write thank you. (laughs) How hard can it be? And in, in my relationship as a younger person, I would take offense thinking you're forcing me to thank you. But if I look at it from their perspective, they feel neglected. They feel you didn't appreciate them. Why did I even bother? Give thanks to God. Because of what he has done for you. And you don't even have to take the time to write it. All you have to do is look up and say, Thanks, Danny. It's an act of common courtesy. It's an act on your part, if you will, of almost sacrifice. You took from your valuable time and your energy to show appreciation to somebody. See how wonderful I am? Because I said thank you. But when they're two years old, we look at them and say, What do you say? Thank you, good girl. When they're 20, you don't even reinforce that. Huh? (laughs) Major. Well, I guess the question is, is are you modeling it? Because if you're not, then why should they continue? Now, give thanks to the Lord. Show an act of common courtesy to God and say, you appreciate what he did for you. How he has kept you safe. How he has provided for you. How he has been your shelter, your healer your protection in the storm, your savior. Just show common courtesy and say thank you. And the next part of this says, call on his name. And then later on in that same verse, it says, proclaim that his name is exalted. When Moses said to God in front of the burning bush, what is your name so that I can tell the Israelites who you are, he said, I am. That's who I am. I am. I am. What? (laughs) That makes it so much easier, God. You are? Yes, I am. And congregation, if you will look around this building, you will see, he is... Our righteousness, Jehovah Tzidkenu. He is Jeho- the God who is present with us, Jehovah Shammah. He is our healer, Jehovah Rapha. He is our shepherd, Jehovah Rohai. He is our provider, Jehovah Jireh. He is our peace. Jehovah Shalom. He is the banner that calls all people to God and provides victory. He is Jehovah Nissi, and the one that's not on the wall, that I want to get on the wall, he is the Lord of Heaven's armies, Jehovah Sabaoth. He is, what is your name? I am. It's totally open-ended. God is whatever you need him to be, He has the resource. He has the desire. He has the ability. And he will do whatever it is. He will be whatever it is that you need from him. If you turn to him. If you trust him. So while you're giving thanks, this song of praise says, you should make known his deeds among the people's. You, the one who's in relationship with him, Isaiah is saying, should make known to the peoples the names of God, exalting his name. Now, this is Isaiah speaking to whom? Look at verse 6. Isaiah is speaking to whom? The people of Zion. Who are the people of Zion? The people of Jerusalem. Zion and Jerusalem can be interchangeable words. Who are the people of Jerusalem that Isaiah is talking to? Remember it says, in that day, verse 4, in that day you will say... So he's talking about a future time to somebody who's living in Jerusalem... Who are these people? These are the people of God, the remnant who have kept their heart, mind, eyes, and strength focused on God through all of the bad times. And then God has brought them at the end to this place where God is going to be living in the midst of them. So if these are the people of God who have been faithful through all of the stuff and have finally gotten through to the end, and they're now having a, a responsibility to give thanks to Him, and to proclaim His name to the peoples, who are the peoples? If they're not the people of God, who are the peoples? The Gentiles, exactly! Exactly! The pagans, the ones who don't have right relationship with God. And I'm not going to say it out loud because this is getting recorded and someone here could hear it. But think about somebody in this community who is not a follower of Jesus. They are part of that group known as the peoples in this verse. So the people of God are being exhorted by Isaiah that they are to give thanks to God for all that he has done and they are to exalt his name among the peoples. And then in verse 5, it says, Sing praises to the Lord. Let this be known in all the earth. As a person of God, it is your responsibility in that day, I would say today, to sing God's praises in all the earth. So while I am pumping gas at the Pleasant Valley store, while I am watching the children do their one-dog-mushing dog at the Valley finale while I am helping to hook up dogs at the different Two Rivers dog mushing events, while I am at the Two Rivers Elementary School Sugar Plum Bazaar or their Halloween celebration, while I'm at the community picnic in the 4th of July, and every other time, place, and event that I'm out in among the peoples, those pagans, those heathens who don't know Jesus, I need to be singing the praises of my God... And making known into rivers why he's deserving of my praise and my thanks. And if you look at this one, this little kid, the quote is actually out of the uh, out of the message. That's Isaiah chapter twelve, verse six in the message. Raise the roof. In Isaiah chapter six, verse 12, 12 verse six in East uh, English Standard, it says, "Shout and sing for joy." I'm not comfortable doing that. They'll look at me strange. They'll think I'm just a holy roller, and I don't care about anything but God. I'll be ostracized. the reality is, folks, look at the last part of chapter 12, verse 6. Great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This whole story is Emmanuel, God the transcendent, almighty Jehovah Sabaoth, God of heaven's armies, the God who has all resources available to God that can do and be anything that is necessary for his people. This God has chosen to be in our midst. And it is our job to tell that story to the people who don't know him. So this song of praise about how great God is, is not supposed to just be sung at 1115 on Sunday morning at 4629 Chena Hot Springs Road. It's supposed to be sung... While you're pumping gas and getting your mail and having a cup of coffee with your neighbor or having a picnic or out in a community event or while you go over to help rake out and muck out because the breakup has been so bad. Whatever the case may be, as you're standing beside the person who doesn't know God, your responsibility is to sing God's praises, to be grateful and say, thank you, God. And to shout it from the rooftop. Making a spectacle of yourself if necessary. Why? Because those pagans and heathens and ungodly people are on their way to hell. And it is your responsibility to be the one to let them know that there's a chance for them to escape that hell. And you may be the only one who has the ability to speak that truth into their life. There may not be anyone else in this community that they have a close enough relationship where they trust the integrity of the person before them and will listen. So what is the message of this? The message of this for me this morning is, I need to figure out a way to tell my story that bring God glory and is enticing to the people around me. And I want to share one last little thing out of my personal life and then we're done. I was at the District Assembly this week and at District Assembly there are three days. One is the Sunday School, the Sunday School and Discipleship Ministries Day, the emphasis on how to disciple. The second day was on missions, how to proclaim the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, quote-unquote, the world. And then finally, the last day is the district assembly where we do the business of the church and we ordain people and we give licenses and we set the policies and blah, 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 set the, the budgets and all those things. That second day, that missions day, it's always so much fun. It really is. I love to hear the stories of the missionaries as they talk about God's moving in their midst. I love to hear the stories of how other churches are seeing people come to know Jesus Christ. It's just a fun and a t- great time. But I didn't enjoy it so much this week. Why? Because I was made to feel guilty by the NMI president this week. Why? Because she sent an email out to all the pastors. On Monday. Now what was I doing Monday? I was being holy. I was driving to Anchorage so I could go to business meetings. By the end of the day on Monday I was pretty tired after having driven eight hours and all I wanted to do was just rest. And I had plans for Tuesday, because we had gone down a day early so we could do some shopping and see the things that we needed to see and visit with some people. Just have a quiet, relaxing day before the craziness of the district assembly started. And so on Monday, I get to the place where we're staying, and I open up my email, and there's this email from the district NMI, the missions president. And she said this... Our whole theme this year is back to the basics, and one of the things we have a vision for is we want to have the stories of all the people in our district and how they came to know Jesus as their personal Savior, actually printed, either written in handwriting or typed up and printed, and we're going to put them on the wall. Are you kidding me? I just drove 350 miles and you're now asking me for this? You could have asked me this weeks ago and given me time. God. Yeah, I've got my computer with me and yeah, I could type it up. And it's going to take me at least an hour to put my thoughts together and come up with something coherent. This is ridiculous. So I took an attitude. Then Wednesday night, after the Sunday School and Discipleship Ministries Assembly meeting is done The Missions Council begins gathering My wife is a member of the council And so I'm stuck there <laughs> Everyone else is going out Having coffee and telling stories And I get stuck watching these people work And so the Missions President looks at me She says, well since you're not doing anything you want to put together the Jesus, the, the cube The Evangelic Sure <laughs> So I'm putting together the cube So they can have something on how to, how to tell the story of the gospel and while I'm doing this, she looks at me and she says, Bob, I didn't receive your story to put on the wall. <laughs> You're right. You didn't. I wonder why. And I wanted to say, if you had called me a month ago and given me a chance to put something together, maybe you'd have it. But you call me two days before the district assembly on the day I'm traveling, and you simply just put, put it out there? Come on, this is ridiculous. I didn't say any of that. I'm just harboring all this ill will in my heart. And after it was all said and done, I told my wife this morning, I was saddened. Because the vision that this missions president had was that they would gather all of these stories on the missions day and put them on the wall and that they would be there the next day for the district assembly, for all the people to be able to read and see and be blessed by how God had called the people of God into relationship with him. You know how many stories were on the wall? Three. You know many dist- how many pastors and ministers we have in this denomination? I mean, in this district? 30. And I was one that didn't. And I thought about that. I, literally, I thought about it over the last few days. Because God's kind of been like, how hard would that have been? Who didn't get blessed because you wouldn't tell your story? And my argument, honestly, I was trying to argue with God. No, no, come on God, you knew my, my schedule was pretty full this week. And you know the week before it was pretty full. And you know the week before it was pretty full. And I didn't have the time. And God was like, really? Really? You don't have the time to tell a story about how I brought you into relationship with me? Well, God, it would take a long time just to type it out. Well, Bob, you've known me for 45 years. How hard is it to put together a five-minute discussion on what it meant to you to be a a child of mine? But, But God... No, Bob, the reality is... You should be, as 1 Peter 3.15 says, be ready at any moment to give the answer for the hope that lies within you, Bob. It shouldn't take you a week of drafting a coherent document so you can tell the story of my love for you, Bob. You got an attitude, Bob, and you got a problem, Bob. And the next time somebody asks you for a story, you better have one ready to spit out right then and there, Bob. Because if no one else in the district has one, you should. You're an elder in the church of the Nazarene, for heaven's sakes. Your job is to proclaim the message of the gospel. It's not just something you do because you love me. It's your job. You get paid to do it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's something I have to do. I have to draft a couple, three paragraphs, so that in a moment notice, when someone asks me, how did you come to know God? I don't have to spend an hour or two putting together a story. It's right there. I've already prepared it. And I may not tell it word for word from what I wrote on the page, but it's already been processed and it's ready to be spoken. Because you see, when you're sitting at the coffee cup, And you don't know that your neighbor just got word that their husband is terminally ill and has less than three months to live. And this is the moment as you're sharing that cup of coffee when they finally turn to you and say, I don't know how to live like this. I need something to give me the strength that I need to get through this. And it's that moment that God has opened for you to speak your story. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have all of the answers. You just have to have a story that's real. That tells them. Like my sister this morning said during our worship time. I used to hate the song of Jesus is my victory or victory in Jesus. because, <clears throat> But now, because of what God has been doing in my heart... I truly trust Him and I'm not afraid. How long did it take her to say those words? But she had thought through those words earlier because she shared them with me a week ago. It is our job, first of all, to not take God for granted, but to give Him thanks for what He is and who He is. And how he has been. And secondly, it is our job to exalt his name among the peoples. And how do you do that? He is my righteousness. He is my, he is present with me. He is my healer. He is my shepherd. He is my provider. He is my peace. He is my banner. He is the God of all gods. And I can tell you how I know, because he's right here with me in my heart. And when I went through a very similar situation that you've been going through, this is how God got me through. You have to be able to share the story over the coffee cup. And it doesn't take a lot of preparation, but it does take a little bit. And you need to be ready, because you never know when God is going to open that door for you. Shout it from the rooftop. Sing your heart out. The greatest lives among you. He is the Holy One of Israel. And you may be the only one that can hear it from. Be ready. Let's pray.